trying to lead them to rediscover or to more deeply discover the God who is their Abba, who is literally just him, in love with them. He was not just their father, he is their, to use the Old Testament imagery, he is their lover. Thinking of Hosea, he is their love, he is their husband. Um, and because we know if they know that love, uh, then the beginning of a life where all shall be well has started, if they know that love. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Better Stories, the season of wonky, the wonky season, the wonky church survival guide season. I don't know. I'm still playing with how to phrase this whole thing, this whole season, Um, but basically we're talking with people that are either serving the church, have left the church, hate the church, love the church, and don't, aren't quite sure how to keep doing it. Um, Today, I am thrilled to bring you two of my very favorite people in the entire universe, two amazing friends, um, tremendous mentors, um, all around just great guys. Uh, Kevin Butcher was a lead pastor for 35 years. Uh, The last 16 of those, he worked in urban Detroit, and he is now the founder and the executive director of Rooted Ministries, which comes along isolated wounded and discouraged pastors and their families to help them experience the deepest love of God by abiding in Jesus. He is a, uh, he's a, he's an amazing mentor, uh, incredible speaker. He is the author of the book Free, Rescued from Shame-Based, Rescued from Shame-Based Religion, Released into the Life-Giving Love of Jesus, and also the book Choose and Choose Again, The Brave Act of Returning to God's Love. Kevin graduated from Taylor University and Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's written numerous articles and shared the message of the Father's love around the world. He is married and madly in love to his best friend, Carla, and he has three grown daughters, two sons-in-laws, and six grandchildren. Uh, you're going to love Kevin Butcher. And we also have uh, William Mack, and Mack is the director of pastoral care alongside of Kevin with Rooted Ministries. And when I asked Mack for his biography, what he sent me was that title, and he said he is brown, round, bearded, and blessed. And that's all he sent me. But he's a man of many talents, uh, one of the most creative, inspiring, encouraging, joyful, and fun people that I've ever been around. Uh, And he's got a lot more credits to his name that we're going to get into and talk about today. But I hope you enjoy these guys. Um, The reason that I'm speaking with them is because they are working not just with churches, but they are working alongside the pastors that lead churches. And their heartbeat, their heart breaks for those leaders of ministries who oftentimes uh, are the ones who are struggling to figure out how to keep going. And so I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation with Kevin Butcher and William Mack. Well, it might be interesting to, for your listeners to hear that um, William and I got together one day when we were at some kind of covenant, evangelical covenant gathering for pastors, and one person, I forget exactly who it was, who knew both of us, said, hey, William and Kevin, you should know each other. And and being like an older guy, I went up to William as a younger brother and said, hey, man, what do you, what's going on? What do you need? Uh, what, what, what are you looking for in life? What? He looked at me without hesitation. He said, I said, do you need a mentor? He goes, I don't need a mentor, man. I need a father. Hmm. 
Now, for whatever reason, instead of me running for the hills with my hair on fire, I turned to him and I said, let's talk. And that's how our relationship um, developed. And uh, it, to this day, I mean, I call him son, he calls me pops. If we're trying to be official, we might use other terms, but um, that's how we feel toward each other. And that's the kind of synergy we have, the love that we have for each other that we try to give away. Hmm. Um, in terms of Rooted, well, it kind of began years ago when I was a pastor who felt absolutely alone. And it wasn't that I didn't have people around me who cared. I think they cared, but you know, Justin, you, you're a lead pastor. William has been a lead pastor, especially I think in that lead spot. Who do you trust? Who do you talk to? Who, where is there no uh, baggage around um, credentials or power? Like how you can't share completely with your elders or your lead team because they have power over you. You can't share completely with your staff because you have power over them. And so who, who can you just be real and raw with without them saying, I didn't think pastors talked like that, man. I didn't think pastors felt like that. Hey, do you even know Jesus? I felt that for really for the most of, of 35 years as a lead pastor. So somewhere along that line, it, uh, in that journey, it was birthed inside me. I think I was reading a quote by Mother Teresa one time where she said, I want to be the somebody for those who have nobody. Hmm. And it landed in me, could, when I'm at the end of my lead pastor days, could somehow I or a group of us be the somebody for those pastors and their families, because it's always about the family too, who have nobody. And so when I walked away after, I really felt God spoke to me about it's, it's over for me as a lead pastor. I vetted that um, reality and began to take steps to walk away. Forming this nonprofit was kind of kind of birthed at that moment. Hmm. That's awesome, Mac. What what was kind of your experience in that journey? Yeah, so so let me let me go back to to me and Kevin's origin story because <laughs> he talks about a covenant event. It was a funeral, uh, and <laughs> for real, it was. It was. Oh man, it was Larry's funeral. Um, but he's right. I had I had been in this season, and the only reason why I bring this up not to shame my my. Uh, not to shame pops at all, but I bring that up because I was in a season of life and in ministry where, um, like most pastors, most husbands, I realized that um, I was kind of on this island, right? Like I had people to bounce sermon ideas off of, mm-hmm. and um, but I never really had anybody to go deeper with. Um, um, and no one that I really felt, let me take it back, nobody that I felt safe enough to go deeper with. Yeah. One else that I felt safe enough to like just do life with and just kind of be, you know, fully trans- transparent and authentic um, in both ministry um, and just as, as a man. And, you know, um, this would be a whole other podcast, but I had fatherhood issues that I had to unpack and, and all of that stuff. And so as I was praying, I realized that um, I've all I had always been this novelty in much of the churches that I went to. Like you know, he sings, he directs the choir, he preaches, he works well with youth, and so I was always a piece in the machine. But no one really, really saw about me right until something came up. Right, you know, if I got sick or whatever the case may be, but nobody really saw me. And um, I realized that there were some things that were kind of happening in my heart around that. And so as I was praying, 
the Holy Spirit was really just kind of talking to me about mentorship and what does that look like and somebody coming alongside you and somebody that I could just be real and authentic with. And I really wanted somebody um, that I that I trusted. We had the same, the same heart uh, um, that was like kind of raw and authentic. And so I had seen Pastor Kevin at an annual meeting before um, and he got on the mic and was actually advocating for church planters. Um, and I was like, dude, who was this dude? Like, cause he, he wasn't polished, right? He was, he was authentic. His heart was just kind of pouring down. I was like, somebody's like, Oh, that's, that's Kevin Butcher. I'm like, okay, cool. We didn't get to connect then. Fast forward. I'm praying this prayer. The Lord is kind of laying this idea of like, I'm going to connect you to a mentor. And we're at our friend Larry Sherman's funeral. And I see him again at Larry's funeral. And, um, you know, he, he's being, you know, nice and bedillion and all of us are talking. And he's like, you know, if you ever need anything, let me know. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, tell him you need a spiritual father. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy to tell this random white guy that I don't know at all that I need a spiritual father. And so I said to him, I was like, well, okay, cool. I need a spiritual father. And I took off running. Like, that's just like, as fast as my little fat legs could take me, I'm like, where's the coffee? Where's the donuts? Like, I got to get out of here. And um, and I'm hoping that I would, like, never see him again. Only for him, I don't know if he was waiting on me or not, but when I came back to that spot, he was standing right there. And he was like, hey, I want you to know that I heard you. And I'm going to be praying about that. And, like, it was only, like, a couple days later, he was like, I've been praying and I feel like the Holy Spirit has kind of brought us together. And so let's explore what that looks like. And um, for me, um, that entered us into a relationship where, um, yes, if I needed some assistance with church or needed some strategy questions because he passed the church, that was very similar in the context that I was in, which was also something that I loved about Pastor Kevin. Um, but he just, I mean, how's your wife? How's your marriage? How are you? Um, and those were the things that no one had ever asked me before. Um, no one had ever asked me how William is doing. Oh, and by the way, you pastor a church. And so um, that was the nature of our relationship. And as far as I was concerned, and I really do believe as far as he was concerned, if our relationship never moved any further than I'm here for and with you and you're here for and with me, um, I love you, Tori, and the kids. I mean, I remember that was one time he came to Louisville and like, I still remember, my kids still remember, uh, Pastor Kevin just, um, he came, um, <laughs> we went to Rafferty's and we just ate and just hung out and, and made all kinds of noise in the back of the restaurant and just had a grand time. It was great. It was it was, it was was hanging out with, with coach, grandfather, best friend, that type of thing. So fast forward when opportunity availed itself and um, my wife and I were kind of discerning what our next moves were for um for our our ministry because we could sense that the lord was telling us it was time to move on um opportunity presented itself for me to come on staff with rooted and i remember pastor kevin asked me would this be something you'd be interested in and i was like actually i would absolutely one love to come and work alongside you but two be able to be that person for those individuals that are seeking those types of individuals and uh, just that you know, just as well as I do, um, you know, for pastors who serve in under-resourced communities, um, that 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 person is needed even more so. Yeah. And so to have that opportunity to know that I would have the freedom and the blessing to work alongside somebody that I love, but also to be able to come alongside individuals who have been serving in contexts that were familiar to the context in which I've been serving, man, that was like just God going 
there it is. Yeah. Uh, here's your next step in ministry. So that's how I got connected to Ruben. That's awesome. That's all. I've got like 25 questions bouncing around my head and um, <laughs> that's all, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to stay focused. No, no, it's, it's great. Like, because my experience of you two is probably woven into your own story. Um, but, but I was the introvert who wouldn't listen to the Holy Spirit and go ask Kevin to be a mentor. And I kind of had a friend crush on William Mack, but it was like, eh, you're from West Virginia. People don't like you. Stay away. <laughs> like, that's that thing. So oh, I, I, it took me probably four of our gatherings that we were crossing paths to even come out of my shell and interact with people. And I think it speaks to exactly what you guys are speaking of, just how difficult it is, how lonely it is um, to be in ministry, to have people care for you and not what you provide for them. Um, and I love I love the story that's that's being written between you all and, and the ministry that you're doing. So give kind of a brief synopsis. I mean, you've, you've talked about it, but, but give a, a synopsis of what Rooted is, what Rooted does, um, what that looks like right now, and kind of how you guys have your hands all in that. Well, I, I can, you know, give my perspective. Um, you know, you can go to our website, and it has some key phrases and, and um, you know, thoughts that we try to live into, but without quoting them exactly, we, we literally come alongside pastors and their families. Pastors who are often feeling lonely, somewhat burned out, uh, maybe just frustrated with their lives, uh, maybe know that there's a change coming, but they don't know how to process it, uh, might be feeling depressed, um, I mean, it could be any number of things that the pastorate brings to a particular pastor, whether they're lead pastor or associate or uh, a lay pastor and their families. And when we get connected with them, we literally come alongside them and, and say, tell me your story. You know, what what do you think you need? And, uh, and so we might, in William's case, he, he provides spiritual direction if that's needed. In my case, I've you know, I've been in a heck of a lot of therapy. I'm not a therapist, I'm not a trained therapist, but my own healing journey provides context and my 35 years and three different kinds of churches provides context for me to be a pastoral counselor. And, uh, and then, you know, over the first couple of years of just doing that with literally between 100 and 200 different pastors, mm. we now have gotten to the point where we realize it can't just be all about us uh, meeting individually with pastors and it also can't just be about hiring another staff uh, pastoral counselor or another staff clinician. It can't just be that. So we are trying to provide retreat. We have a retreat coming up, as you know, Justin, October 17th through 19th. We've done a couple of virtual retreats because of COVID. This will be on site in Colorado Springs at Glen Erie. Um, we're also trying to create regional um spaces for pastors to come together under some regional care pastors who are on the rooted journey and this as an aside but it's crucial uh, that word rooted comes from ephesians 3 where um paul says that you might be rooted and grounded in the love of christ so that you might be filled with all the fullness of god our experience is my personal experience was i didn't know anything about that i had a left brain full of greek hebrew and latin and some, I guess, some gifts that God had given me to talk and to, you know, lead and direct. I'm an Enneagram 8. That's what I had until that 
those gifts weren't enough, all of a sudden the emptiness began to overpower me. And what William and I have uh, found is that many pastors know how to preach about the love of God, but they struggle to experience the love of God. And so they're living out of this left brain, uh, performance-based model that will always lead to disaster. So most of the time, Justin, not always, but most of the time we're catching a pastor or his or her family, um, you know, whether it's a husband of a pastor, a wife of a pastor, kids of a pastor, we're catching them during one of these meltdown moments. Mm. Um, it might not be tragic. It might not have gotten to a catastrophic proportion yet, but they're feeling a need right. to connect. And that's when we catch them and we journey with them and see what God will do. Hmm. Trying to lead them to rediscover or to more deeply discover the God who is their Abba, who is literally Justin, in love with them. Hmm. Who's not just their father. He is there to use the Old Testament imagery. He is their lover. Thinking of Hosea, he is their love. He is their husband. Um, and because we know if they know that love, uh, then the beginning of a life where all shall be well has started, if they know that love. Yeah. Wow. So go ahead, William, fill in the blanks. Um, I don't think there's any blanks left to be filled, but um, I think that he, he definitely, um, I tell people all the time when they ask what I do, is I said, we create space for pastors to breathe. Um, create space and give grace for pastors to breathe. Um, you know, the world is, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead, Justin, but the world is like changing faster yeah. than I've ever experienced it in the 43 years of life that I've been around. And people look to pastors for leadership and guidance through that space, but rarely do we give them the grace of the space to kind of figure that out on their own. And so... I'm preaching while trying to figure out how to handle inflation. I'm preaching hope while trying to figure out how to handle the political climate. I'm preaching, you know, all the things, all the things. And we just don't give, um, and we don't we don't instruct. I mean, I can't tell you how many um, doctors of theology and, you know, all the seminary degrees you can get who are not adequately prepared for the real life stuff that happens in and to a pastor as they're pastoring. And so, I mean, the blessing of rooted is that we get to be that space, right? I tell people that we exist outside of denominations because there are denominational requirements that are, that are there. And of course, if there are some things that they, that they need to share with the denomination, we'll definitely tell them to do that. But we don't disclose that. We are a safe space for you to be um, in, um, in communion with, with, with the one who loves you best, Jesus Christ, yeah. um, and just another brother or sister going to come alongside you. So like Pastor Kevin said, um, our, our business business has been good. And that's both good and bad because that means there's a lot of pastors out there who need connections. And so as a result, um, my role is that we're developing a team of, of, of care pastors across the region who will be um, there to connect with and maybe even form cohorts and communities um, so that it's not just Kevin and I because we're, we're recognizing recognizing now, now more than ever, that that the pastors need this space, leaders need this space, because um, if they don't get the space, they burn out, they quit, they throw in the towel, they harm themselves, they disrupt their marriages, they, 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 they abuse their children. All these things can happen if they don't have a safe space and the grace to be human who walks with Jesus. 
And so I'm always pushing. A Christian at the end of the day is an individual, a human being, who has decided to follow Jesus, and that includes a pastor as well. And somehow now the grace that we give people in the pews is not always given in the pulpit, and hopefully Rudy will provide that space for pastors to go, hey, can I just be human for a moment and say, I love Jesus, but I'm struggling, or I love Jesus, but I'm really trying to figure some stuff out. And we're here to say, hey, we're here because we're, we're you. Mm-hmm. Like, we're right here with you. Like, Kevin doesn't have it all the way together. Max show don't have it all the way together. Um, but if we can come alongside you as you're journeying with Jesus, then yeah, we love to walk with y'all. That's, That's so well said, Matt, uh, William. I, I just might want to add one more little thing. Justin, I can't tell you the number of times that I've said to a pastor, pastors, pastors never have anybody say to them, let me put it this way, pastors always intuit there's an angle when somebody comes to them. Even if it's just they just have need. They, they never have anybody say to them what I say to them often. I will say, look, um, sister pastor or brother pastor don't take this in the wrong way but I don't need you and then quickly I'll give a caveat of course I need you you're my brother you're my sister so in that sense I need I need you but I'm not needy for you so when we get on this zoom call when I come and see you in your church setting when we get on the phone when we when we walk together you need you don't ever need to get off that call and think oh my gosh I should have asked Kevin about Oh my gosh, I wasn't really kind. I don't want you to ever think that. I want you to think that when you come to Rooted, that we are here for you because you have to be there for everyone else. And you cannot imagine the number of pastors who pause. They don't even know what to say because they have never had one human being say that, let alone imply that or live that in their entire journey in ministry. Yeah, man. So good. And, And I... So a little bit of the the journey, when I wrote the book, Wonky, the whole thing was really targeted at, like, it's a survival guide for following Jesus when you hate the church. And the whole premise was, yes, let's be honest about this, but let's not quit, let's not give up, let's reimagine. Well, literally, about the time I finished that book is the time that all the articles started coming out, the research started coming out of pastors burning out, of pastors wanting to quit, and I, I was one of those. I was one of those in that spot where I was like, I don't know if I believe <laughs> this thing that I just published. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to reimagine this. I kind of want to just quit. And, and what do I do with that? And, and like, you guys were, were two voices that kind of helped the healing process for me and gave that space, gave that grace. And I know that you're living at the center of this intersection, right? There's the epidemic of... Um, people leaving the faith, people leaving the church, um, this this kind of post-Christian, post-cultural Christianity, but also now this epidemic of pastors burning out, of ministry leaders burning out. What, is, what does that look like for you all? Like where, I guess what I'm asking is, how are you managing this, living with this, walking in this? Um, I, there's lots of questions. How do you care for yourself in the middle of that and not get overwhelmed by how often it... It's hitting. I mean, you're getting hundreds of calls, I'm sure. What, is, what does that look like for you guys in this kind of cultural crazy moment that we're in? Well, just one thought quickly occurs to me. We don't know if someone is being called away from pastoral ministry just as they were called to it. 
and and when when we when we get with pastors, we don't make any assumptions. Mm-hmm. I know William well enough to know he doesn't. He tries to listen. He tries to feel not just what God might be saying, but he tries to hear what the heart of that sister pastor or that brother pastor might be saying, though they can't quite get to it themselves. Um, and so we, what we fear, I think, or we're respectful of, is that some pastors will feel like they're being called away when they're not. Hmm. They're just fried. They're just frustrated. Um, I, I went into a uh, to, to buy the car that we have now before we moved to Colorado, Justin. We went in to buy this car, and the, the guy that was cashing us out, you know, g- giving us all the financial stuff, you could tell he probably wasn't a follower of Jesus. I kind of dropped little hints, and he didn't bite, so I didn't make a judgment. I just thought maybe he's not there, you know. But he said, I want to introduce you. He picked up on me, said, I want to introduce you to the guy that is the head of our sales or whatever, and I, I, I want you to, he didn't say this, but he was like, I want you two Christian types to meet. So we got over there and got together. And that brother, man, he was a, a, an ex-professional athlete. I'll just say that. Big, tall guy, kind of intimidating. Without a word of, hey, my friend, tell me about your, so my, my brother, my, my boss here says that you're a, in, in ministry or you're, he goes, hey, let me just tell you what I'm doing at my church. He goes, I told my pastor, if he's not going to, you know, uh, you know, follow Jesus, the real Jesus, in this whole COVID thing, you know, I'm out. You know what? That guy didn't have enough courage. He didn't have the gumption to really follow Christ, make the hard choices. So you know what? I left and I said, whoa, bro. First of all, I wanted to take him outside, <laughs> but he was big and young and he probably could have whooped me. So I, I, it wasn't spirituality that dissuaded me. It was more practicality because I wanted to take him outside and thrash him for that nonsensical view. I said, what I did say is, bro, I work with pastors. It is a lot more complex and nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's a thoughtful guy, he would have said, yeah, well, you know, you got a point there. No, he's like, yeah, well, what I want to tell you is. So finally, I just had to say, bro, we don't have time. And I had to walk away. That, I'll never forget that encounter because here's what most parishioners maybe don't know. Pastors all around the country, whatever their positions are, on various issues of justice or politics or the kind of Jesus they sense the scriptures is is about and that they need to preach, they're hearing those voices all the time. And they're threatening at times, whether they're quiet voices or loud voices, they're threatening, they're threatening to leave. I mean, some of these churches live on the edge financially. If one donor that literally keeps that place afloat leaves, they're done. They can't keep their kids in school there. They gotta find another job. This is the kind of pressure that pastors are feeling. And sometimes they can feel that God's just saying, you need to get out. We try to help them discern, is that God? Or is this the nightmare of part of the army of the evil one who is trying to, through religious language and, uh, um, uh, polemic trying to force you out that's one of the big pieces that we have to deal with um, on on quite a few of our pastoral calls would you say William? Yeah I was thinking you know so I, I pastored Grace Church in Louisville Kentucky and um, anybody that watched the news for 30 seconds over the last couple of years knows that Louisville has been 
the hotbed of um, civil unrest um, due to the murder of Breonna Taylor. And just me using that language, murder of Breonna Taylor, people um, can't even agree to that. But that's neither here nor there. You asked two questions, and I think this example kind of gives you a kind of where's that? South Pastor and Church. Um, there were less than six degrees of separation between me as an individual and Brianna. Um, and then I look at this young lady, I look at her family. Um, I had a very close relationship with the mayor. Um, and, and, and just all the, all the things, right? Louisville, while it's seen as a big city, is still very much a small town of the big city feel. All, all the things, right? So we were all feeling that moment. Um, um, yes, I was out in the streets, I was protesting, I was loud, I was mad, I was angry because um, of just the structures and systems um, that um, were not being um, uh, fair or supportive in this justice and judicial process. Um, and then something shifted, like, while I'm dealing with my own anger, dealing with my own grief, we're all dealing with the pandemic. Um, I tell people my, my stepfather died um, at the top of the pandemic, and so I had to deal with that. Um, and all the grief that, 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 that came along with that for my family and I, and then you throw in this civil unrest. Um, then the call came that, oh, who's caring for these protesters? Because they're making noise because there's something inside of them that's hurt, right? So then ministry shifted from we're going to be a part of the protest to caring for protesters, right? And these protesters may or may not be parts of your church. So it's more of a community, city type of call. And so we're, you know, we're now preaching on street corners and talking to protesters. And I was, and at the same time, I am tired. I am angry. I am frustrated. Um, like Pastor Kevin said, you have people that you are called to shepherd and that you love deeply that may be on the opposite political side of the aisle, right? Um, some people didn't like the fact that I was on the, you know, that, that, that Pastor Mac was on the news or in the newspaper. And mind you, I never made a public statement, um, you know, verbally or never put anything in paper, but but my picture got snapped plenty of times and made national news and, you know, people from the denomination were like, what are you doing out there? And I'm like, all the, all the things, right? But then I am still dealing with all of the things too so i'm caring for the church caring for my wife caring for my family caring for the community trying to show up and be a representative of jesus christ because i believe that jesus cares for those who are grieving he cares for the widow he cares for the orphan he cares for the protesters he cares for all those people and all the time i am gaining weight i am actively depressed um and the straw that broke the camel's back was that there was a, little, a pastor in the city of Louisville who um, I've loved and respected just about all my life. Um, he had been battling cancer for years, and he, and he passed away. And we knew that it was coming. He finally passed away. Um, and I remember when he died, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I sat in my basement, and I wept. And I wept. And I wept. And it was like... His transition was the the, 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 the the thing to push the gate open. And I really, and I kept asking myself, like, he and I weren't even super close. Like, I respected him from afar. Like, why? But it was all the stuff, Justin. 
It was all the stuff, man. It was the anger. It was the frustration. It was the denomination. It was the church. It was the, it was the finances. It was, it was everything, right? And now I'm doing all of this in a body that I don't like, like all the things, right? And I just remember looking up and telling my wife, I said, I'm not good. I am not good. And she's like, what do we do from here? What do you want me to do? I'm like, I don't want you to do anything. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to say that out loud. But for my health, I know I needed to say something. I don't know where we go from here. I just know that I'm not good, right? Um, and, and and that started the journey of me coming out of that. While people are calling, going, "Hey, can we get your your opinion on?" Yeah, I'm not good. Can you help me? <laughs> hey, do you mind being a friendly black guy and telling me how you feel about so and so? And so, to answer your question about self care, I had to start putting boundaries up and going, you know what? I love you. I love the denomination. I love my church. I love Jesus. I love all those things but I am not good right now. And I do not have the capacity to continue to revisit an old wound and open it up over and over and over again and then explain to people, why is it bleeding? Where did the cut come from? Is it really that bad? I don't have the space or capacity for debates. I don't have the space or capacity to be your guest speaker on your book study. I I just don't, I don't. I don't have that capacity and I don't want to. And I, I will pray for you, but other than that, I just I just can't. And so when you ask about self-care, and this is kind of one of the things that is just really, really heavy for me um, 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 as a spiritual director, is that I'm really trying to I really try to make sure that the people that we're sitting with, I ask them, what are the boundaries that you set for yourself? Because Jesus cares for cares for the one that is called. Mm-hmm. And just because you're called to serve, called to preach, called to lead, doesn't mean that you're always called to say yes all the time. It doesn't mean that you're always called to to, to be there on the spot. You know, even in our relationship now with Pastor Kevin, uh, working with Rudy, there's some times where we have to check each other and be like, hey, Mac, that might be a funeral that you can't attend. Or hey, Pastor, you know what? Give me that client, I'll take this one because you're already at capacity. You know, like we, we have to be able to recognize our our humanity and our Christianity at the same time and understand that one doesn't negate the other. Mm-hmm. And that you can put real boundaries uh, in place to take care of the one that God cares for as well. We, we can't give away what we're not receiving. Right. So if we don't do that self-care, then we got nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I got to tell you, we got to fight for it. You do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of the, one of the last couple questions I had was, um, let's say you're speaking to the leaders of these churches, and I don't mean the pastors. I mean the ones that are supposed to be supporting the pastors, the elder boards, the leadership teams, the committees. Um, you know, the conversation I'm having a lot these days is we've got to reimagine. We've got to shed some things. We've got to rebuild. We've got to restore. But we really also need to reimagine. You're caring for these hundreds of pastors that are, that are finally either being cared for by you in crisis mode or they're making good decisions. Um, what do these leaders of the churches, these committees, these boards, what, what do they need to reimagine? If you were speaking to them, what well, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It, it, my response um, might surprise you. Before we even reimagine what the church needs to look like, at least in our estimation, what we think that Jesus is speaking to us in this space and time, I try to help them reimagine their own journey with 
that Jesus. Because honestly, Justin, if you've got leaders who don't literally, you know, coming out of John 15, 9, when Jesus said one of his final, you know, invitations or commands, if you will, to his uh, disciples before he died was, as the Father has loved me, so love I you. Make your home in my love. Abide in my love. You, you cannot survive, let alone thrive, without the power of my protective, um, filling, um, wisdom-giving, and yeah, empowering love. You just can't do it. it. That's primary. So I don't make an assumption that church leaders know that love for themselves. I didn't. I know William has wrestled with it over the years, and, and together we we try to live into to being rooted and grounded in that love, pressing back the shame, pressing back um, whatever else will try to fill that space. Sometimes Christianity, yeah. um, aberrant versions of Christianity, that be, that takes the place, that becomes supreme. Um, I, I will guarantee you that brother that day in the uh, in the in the car dealership. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you, the signs are there. That brother wasn't swimming in the love of God, man. What had filled his heart was an ideology that had become his thing. And he, he was co-opting Jesus for his deal. So when I'm dealing with a, a church team about what can the church look like? What, how can we reimagine ourselves for this generation coming out of the pandemic and just where we find ourselves and our battle with the powers? I got to talk to them seriously or talk with them seriously. Do you know, not just that he esoterically loves the world, do you know that he loves you? And how is that love filling you and healing you and informing you and helping you see the human beings that are the church, see the brokenness in the world around that we are intended to be, that any reframing of the church is intended to minister to. Without that love, Justin, the next conversation about reimagining is is fruitless. So I I usually start there. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I'm, you know, so we've been having a lot of these conversations and um, Pastor Kevin and I both have realized that, you know, if you go on our website, It'll ask, are you interested in being a rooted uh, pastor or being a rooted church? And we're getting, I feel like, um, a lot more of those. We want to be a rooted church type of request. What does it look like? And so having conversations with leadership teams, doing leadership development, all of that. And he's, he's absolutely right. It all starts with where are you in position in the love of Christ? Because once you've embodied that and that becomes part of your identity, your being then affects your doing. Right. Then this is where I kind of get ratchet. And then I start asking the questions. Let's 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 start asking hard conversations. Why are you doing what you're doing? Right. How long have you been doing it? And is it relevant to the world that we live in? Um, There was a there's a church that were made nameless and I love them. Great people. They were phenomenal. Um, They asked me to come in and do a leadership retreat with their youth ministry. Now, mind you, this is a large church, large youth team the whole nine, uh, predominantly African-American church. And um, I don't know if you all have it in West Virginia, but there was there used to be a, a youth organization back in the, I think, 50s or 60s called the Red Circle Girls. Mm-hmm. 
and the Red Circle Girls used to, <laughs> even Pastor Kevin's like, I don't know what that is. But the Red Circle Girls, I don't know why they were Red Circles, but it was basically like a, a knitting, sewing, and Bible study type of organization, right? Um, and so the young women would come together on Sunday evenings and they'd do this, this knitting and Bible study type thing, whatever, right? This church in 2000 and something still had Red Circle Girls. In the year of Fashion Nova and um, 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 click in buy, so I mean, stores are, are fading away because everything is going online. Yeah. And they were trying to figure out how come the young girls didn't want to come back to church on Sunday evenings and knit. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not anti-knitting, right? And so I was like, can we have a courageous conversation, right? So part of imagining is having courageous conversations and being able to to identify a thing for what it is and not for what I want it to be, right? Um, Because the truth of the matter is, is that the objective to teach young girls a life skill while teaching them Jesus is valid and very strong. Just the way in which we're trying to live it out it's just not effective in 2022. Yeah. Not. So how can we take the mission and put another vision to it? Um, and, and, and to be really honest, Justin, I think a lot of churches are so, um, and I'm just going to say it because at this point I've served mega churches, small churches, and every church in between. Uh-huh. If we are not careful, we will cling closer to our ideals than we will to Jesus. Looking closer and tighter to our ideals of what we want to do and what we've done over the last couple of years and, and look at yesteryear with this fondness that we won't speak to what it actually is and what is or isn't effective anymore. Yeah. Um, and we lose people. We lose people. We lose really the, the mission of Jesus. And we lose the heart of Jesus because we want to hold on to our thing that we remember so fondly that has served us well. When the reality is that the gospel has, was there to serve others so that we could give that out to others as this beautiful gift from the kingdom of God. And so, um, I, I, if you don't mind me interjecting, William, Go ahead. it's so crucial. I think what you're saying, what gives us the security in those conversations to be able to say, wow, I, I don't have to hang on to this. The love of Christ. Yeah. Without that the security that the love of Christ brings. I can't have a conversation with anyone about anything that threatens anything that has become core and central. I mean, you and I have talked about this so many times, William. If I'm, you know, I don't care how much I'm about the church coming together across Mm -hmm. racial and ethnic lines. If I'm, if you're my black brother and, and I'm your white brother and we're sitting there, it'll take about 10 or 15 minutes, maybe seconds, for me to say something that is just going to set your hair on fire because you're going to be going, man, this is the one millionth white man I've heard say these words that don't have any understanding of what our community is feeling, what I'm feeling, and you might say something that triggers me about who knows what. And so without the love of Christ rooting us and grounding us, surrounding us, and securing securing us, no, I'm not going to let go of my, my knitting thing. I'm not going to let go of that old uh, deal that I've, my security is wrapped around. And I'm not even going to be able to listen to the person sharing something else, even deeply from their heart about wound, racial wound, gender wound, a church wound. I can't hear any of that because it's threatening something 
that I'm gripping. So without the love of Christ to secure me, I'll never let go. I will not be able to reimagine anything. That's so good. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've, I, I, I've talked about the fact that like, you know, if you, I mean, we're, we're agriculture, but if you have a chicken that you want to lay eggs and the thing keeps laying Skittles, you don't cling to this chicken hoping that someday it's going to suddenly produce an egg. And, and I see that in our models of church, but I also see it in what we're doing to pastors, to leaders, thinking yes. like, okay, we, we just, more programs, more stuff, more outreach, more systems, more whatever, and we think that that's going to solve the day instead of what you guys are saying, which is this deep-formed identity and experience and abiding in the love of Christ. And I, I just, I love that. I love what you guys are describing because it's those things that give us, it's that identity that gives us the power and the courage to shed what we need and say, I need a new chicken. <laughs> like, I got to do something. Yeah. We don't need to knit yeah. anymore. Um, yeah, man. I wish we had like three more hours. Um how, tell me about the retreat. We'll kind of wrap up with this. Tell me about the retreat and how can people get involved, get supportive. Um, you know, what, what, where do we connect with Rooted? I'm going to say one thing about this retreat, and I want William to, to talk about this. The one thing uh, that I want pastors to know, um, you know, whatever type of pastoring they're doing or leading in a Christian community that they're doing, I want them to know this is not a retreat. Or they're going to come and hear like 14 lectures and get, you know, all these notes and all this content. So they're going to go away and go, oh, my gosh, I, I'm, I'm buried. Instead of feeling rejuvenated and connected with God and myself and one another, I'm buried. This is a retreat. Yeah, there'll be time in the Word for sure. How can there not be? And there'll be time of worship. How can there not be? And there'll be some content, but the content is going to be around connecting us relationally first to ourselves it's creating space to be connected with what we're really thinking in a safe place what we're really about what's really going on with no judgment then to be able to connect with God um, and his abiding love in that space of honesty and authenticity and then to be able to connect maybe with others in this, you know, we're, we're hoping for maybe a maximum of 50 pastors. So it's not going to be humongous. We're going to be able to be seen, experienced, uh, received, and maybe make some connections with other brothers and sisters without judgment that's going to help us, um, you know, go out and live the abiding life with, with strength and power and freedom. So I just, I want pastors to know that, that they're not going to be inundated with new strategies and new, you can get all that online. This is a place to relationally connect with yourself, God, and one another in safety. William, want to say more? Yeah, so I, I want to emphasize the connecting with God and one another part. So, um, I first of all, the space, Glen Erie in Colorado, Colorado um, literally is in the backyard of the Garden of the Gods. And if you've never been, um, I strongly, strongly encourage you to go. Um, I, we went up for a site visit and my breath was just taken away just the beauty of it. And if you are a nature person or experience God and just the awe and the majesty of God and nature and just how things come up like, being in the space alone um, is definitely going to be worth it, um, the, the time there. Um, so, so definitely come for that. And understand that we are in the process of structuring our time together in such a way that we're not keeping you locked up in a conference room all day 
we're, we're trying to give you time to be with God and to be with one another. Mm. Um, we're hoping that you'll be able to form um, some of our connections with other individuals that are there that are in the space. We'll also have some people from our care team that'll be there. You'll have time with Pastor Kevin and I. We'll also have um, some spiritual directors that'll be there. So if you want to do some one-on-one spiritual directing. Um, but we, we really want this to be an intentional, concentrated time for you to connect with Christ and other people. We don't want to know about the church strategies. We don't want to know about how many people have in the pews and are they returning, are they not? Um, because reality is we're all in this together as, as leaders. Um, I also want to make sure that you understand that we're talking to our brothers and our sisters mm-hmm. um, who are pastoring. We're Please. Talking to, yeah. um, we're also talking to those who are serving in Christian leadership, because I know for some people, people think pastor is the only person that shows up um, and preaches on Sunday morning. But we understand that there are some youth leaders that are doing some great work. There are some nonprofit directors that are doing some great work. If you need some time to get away um, to connect again with Jesus and with one another. Um, as you are doing the work of the kingdom, we are here and we are being intentional about praying over and structuring our time together just for that. Um, and then finally, the last thing I want to say, just as director of pastoral care, is that we have been blessed with um, some scholarship monies. Um, we know that everybody's kind of going through um, this. Re- we're going through this recession together. And so um, do not allow finances to be a reason to not even consider this. Um, um, there is a scholarship link that I've created that I can send out to you. I can text it. Yeah. We can email it to you. And if you are interested um, in attending the retreat, but you're like, hey, Mac, I might need a little resource um, assistance. Please, 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 my sister, please, my brother, um, please um, just apply for the, 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 the scholarship. Um, and we will see what we can do on our end. But I want you all to know that if the Lord is pressing this on your heart, um, please heed what the Holy Spirit is doing. Um, and if you can take some time, we, we intentionally did it um, middle of the week so you don't have to worry about missing Sunday and, and all of that. Um, um, and if you are someone and you're listening and you're going, oh, this would be great for my pastor, um, reach out to us as well. Yeah. Um, our website is www.rootedministries.com. .co, www.rootedministries.co. Um, you just click on the Abide 22 link um, and it'll give you all the information, including the scholarship that I just mentioned. That's cool. Awesome. And I will share all that as well, guys. We'll we'll get this out uh, before the retreat, well before the retreat, and hopefully get some connections to you. I am a huge fan of what you all are doing, but, but a, a friend and and deeply love both of you guys and greatly appreciate you and cheering you on from a distance i'd be there if i wasn't in a new position i would be at that retreat so i just can't get away that quick (laughs) so but hopefully hopefully in the future so we love you justin thank you so much bro